puppet show. One of the girls asked if this was a puppet show, so we won't be getting behind the curtains. I'm not sure how we got the class right after lunch, but I'm not so worried about you all falling asleep, but we might. We had a Chinese buffet. That's never a good thing. Um, our class is saving our kids while we save others. And I just want to give you a little bit of a background about some of us that are up here. I am a fourth the fourth generation out of six of what I want to call born-bred Church of Christers. So anybody that is a Church of Christer, you get that, right? And so I'm the fourth out of six. Three of those generations have passed on uh, and are with God. And that's, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> that's really cool to me. Uh, but out of that, there are three of the six generations that we represent here today. Uh, I am Rita Cox, and I am Ashley's mother, and this is my granddaughter, Kennedy, and my daughter-in-law, Hannah, and this is my other granddaughter. And I just want to say, this is Hadessa, but um, I just want to say that, you know, it would be nice to say that all of my extended family chose to follow Christ and that they were all still disciples today, but that is not what happened. Um, and because of that, it's just not the case. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen by chance, but it takes a lot more than that. We all know the verse in Proverbs 22 where it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I like to focus on this verse, and I like to focus on the part where it says, Train up a child, train. Now, how many of you in here are moms? How many of you in here have had to potty train your child? We all know that that is not an easy task, is it? It, it? it takes a lot of what? Patience. It takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of me trying to remain calm at times, you know, when I'm not feeling so calm, when I want to yell or scream or whatever. But I have to continue training, right? There are, if you don't have kids, how many of you have had to train a dog? Okay? Not easy either, right? It takes work to train a dog. So how, and I think of military training. Is military training easy? No, it's hard. Anybody that I know that has been through it talks about how hard it was. And in the same way, I think as we look at saving our kids while we save others, we have to understand that it doesn't happen by chance. It's not something that is going to be easy to do. It is going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of our time. It's going to take a lot of our patience. It's not going to be easy, and it's not going to happen by chance. Um, there's a well-known uh, statistic out there, and it tells us that 80% of youth today, especially within the Church of Christ and Christian churches, stop attending church after graduating high school. Um, and it was funny. I was reading through um, some of the statistics and, you know, whatever, threads and comments underneath them. And what you find is people saying, well, it's not technically 80%, it's more like 70 Or if it's 80%, 30% we're seeing come back. And so I'm seeing, I'm reading through these threads, and all I'm thinking the whole time is, is that really what we're fighting to justify? Like, either way. Um, so if 80% of our kids are leaving the church, and honestly, when I hear that and I, I look at it, even at the workshop, and be so bold to say, it's not what it once was. When I was a little girl, and I came to the workshop, and when I was into high school, it was flooded with kids my age and um, teenagers. And I look around now, and that statistic rings true here. You know, it's, it's, it's right before us. It's laid before us. And I look at how we try to justify those things. Well, okay, let's say it is 70%. <laughs> 70%, we're going to justify the 10. Or, you know, or let's say that 30% come back. Wonderful. Praise God. But 50% of our kids are still lost within our churches. And I look at that and it, it terrifies me. It alarms me because I have three young kids and they're in first and second and third grade. And I'm looking at that statistic and I'm thinking, man, that's one in four, you know, if it's 80%. Or 15 out of 20 of our teenagers in our youth group, let's say, you know, are going to not become lifelong disciples of God. Um, when I look at that, it's not just a statistic to me. That's our children facing an eternity without God in their life. 
That's an eternity of hell for them, and it, it, should, it should alarm us, and it should scare us. But even more than that, our kids, we're worried about saving our kids, and that's, I mean, we got to do that. That's a priority. That's wonderful. But that doesn't even hit on the fact that if our kids aren't being saved, what about the rest of the world? What are we doing for them? So really, it bleeds onto that. Um, so this lesson to me when we got the topic is extremely important. Um, for my own kids' sakes, for the generations, my friends that aren't here anymore, um, I'm sure for some of you guys that look around and realize that people are not around now. Um, and I look at it, we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. We have to open our hearts. We've got to open our eyes. And we got to look around and say, what are we going to do differently? So with that, um, we decided that we're going to come up, we came up with a few different things, that just basic things that we look at in our lives that I've seen growing up, that um, Hannah's learned, that mom, you know, has went through. And we're going to talk about ways that I'm, what I must do to save our children. And here's going to be some of the following things. All right. um, In order for me to save my children while I'm still working full time in ministry and saving others, the very first and foremost thing is that I have to I have to show them that God matters to me. And that just goes down to basic, simple, like I have to own my own relationship with God. I will never be able to give anything to my children. I will never be able to give anything to anyone else in my ministry if I don't personally have it myself. I think one of working in campus ministry, I think it's 18 years now, 17 or 18 years now, and raising three children full time their entire lives, like literally from birth um, as campus ministry kids, basically. I think one of the biggest things, the misconceptions I think I see in a lot of, a lot of young girls that are wanting to get married and wanting to have families are that they're going to be here, they're going to get married, they're going to have children, and they're going to raise these good, godly children and that it's just going to happen. And it, the biggest thing that I'm trying to, <clears throat> I guess, impress upon them, even before they ever even get married, is, is that if you do not have a completely sold-out disciple relationship with God to where you're, where, am I praying every single day? Am I in my word every single day? Am I, am I talking about these things? Do my children see me reaching out to people? Do they see my home um, as something that's open for people constantly? It is everything in my life something that screams, God is the number one most important thing in my life. And if they don't see that, then good luck trying to raise them to have those, those kind of values or to see that in their own life. And something that I feel very fortunate about, I know sometimes people are like, oh man, that's you know, Missy really rough. Like, you know, you're, you're doing this campus ministry. Like, we're 35 trying to live the life of an 18, 19-year-old at times. It's tiring. But one of the greatest benefits that I've ever, that I feel like I've had with raising children is getting to raise kids in that environment to where they get to constantly see that being played out in their life over and over again. And there's those nights when I look at some of my, my friends that are raised, I'm like, oh, look at you. You've got to, you got to bed at this time. And, you know, you had this and this or whatever. But the the strengths and the the benefits far outweigh any of the negatives because of what I've gotten to see in my own children's life. Um, and I'm going to let Kennedy kind of talk just a little bit about that, just how she feels about that. I know for me, just getting to grow up in the church and having the parents I have, like, every day they're showing me, like, what is important and what needs to be the priority. So it's, like, become second nature to me what, like, what I need to be doing, like, and I just think, like, learning that from my parents, and, like, mo- it's easier to model it once I'm given the example of, like, talking to God and praying to God. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read um, this verse in Deuteronomy. It says, These are the commands and rules and laws that the Lord your God told me to teach you to obey in the land you are crossing the Jordan River to take. You, your children, and your grandchildren must respect the Lord your God as long as you live. Obey all his rules and commands I give you so that you will live a long time. Um, And then um, um, one of my favorite verses that I love about about raising children is in Titus 2, 7 through 8, 11 through 15. It says, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, sound of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppress you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the Lord 
appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Um, I love that because it's, I mean, it's just telling me, like, if I'm going to be able to be the kind of mom and to be the kind of leader in my ministry that's going to make a difference in both of those areas, then I have to, I have to be able to be someone who is doing these things that I've owned my relationship with God, that I'm taking my own sin very, very seriously. Like one of the things with Kenny, I think the most of the times the conversations we have, unfortunately, I have to teach her out of weakness. Like, well, this is my struggle. Well, this is something that I've had to learn. Like, here's, you get this from me. I struggle with this too. So this is why I'm going to tell you about this because I, I want you to know that like, I'm trying to take this sin in my life very seriously too. And, um, and kids, other people that were in our ministries that were trying to help, they're going to be able to sniff out our hypocrisy from a mile away, and they're going to want to have nothing to do with us. And I truly believe that's why a lot of these kids that Ashley talked about, they don't see it in our lives, so they ask themselves, like, okay, so why would I want that for myself? So in saving our kids while we save others, the first point that they just talked about is show them that it matters to me. Most important, show them that it matters to me. The second point is show them that they were made for a purpose. Now, I'm going to read out of Deuteronomy 11, verse 19. Uh, and just to give you a little background about me, I became a mother at the age of 18. Um, so I needed scripture. I needed God's guidance. I needed word. We, we went into ministry when I was 18, and I started having a family when I was 18. Um, so this verse was, this is what got me through all of this. And uh, Deuteronomy verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 19 it says, fix these words of mine, it, I'm sorry, verse 18, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates, so that in your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And as I look at this verse, and, and we have to show our kids that they were made for a purpose, and that comes with us talking about how much God loves them. And Ashley wanted me to talk about this verse because she said, Mom, this is something you did really well at. There was a lot that I didn't do well at, but this is a good one, so I took it. And, uh, I, and I remember as my kids were little, especially, you know, growing up, when we would go on a vacation, we would go to the beach. As we walked on the beach, I would talk to them because this verse just was in my mind. And I would talk to them about, look at the ocean. It's so huge. God made this. It's magnificent. Look at it. He made you too. And he has a purpose for you. It gave me an opportunity. When we, when we would be out riding bikes at uh, a place called Pyramacat, we would ride bikes. And in the fall, the leaves were gorgeous. It was just beautiful. And I would point out the nature and how God took the time to make these beautiful colors for us, for us to be able to enjoy but it also gave us time as we were out riding bikes. I remember we would be, all four of us on a bike, driving down a trail. And I'm sure anybody that came by us thought we were all crazy. But as we rode our bikes down this trail, we were making up songs and singing. Remember that? The entire way. Some of them were crazy, but we talked yes. about God. Yeah, Roberts were crazy. <laughs> Ours were pretty good. But uh, anyway, as we did that, you know, and I, we just made it a part, I, especially me as the kids were younger, made it a part of my life to go, I only have them for a short time. I don't have them very long. Those of you that have kids that are empty nesters, doesn't that time fly? You know, they're little kids and you get to hold them in your arms and you get to sing songs about God. You get to read them Bible stories. You know, he gave them to us to be able to do that. And we waste that opportunity. You know, and I look at that, I'm, I think about, it's easy to say, talk to them about how much God loves them. Talk to them about the purpose God has given them. You know, do all these things. But how often do we really do this? Isn't it a lot of times it's like, you get in the car, you start to take them to school, and they're fighting in the back seat. And what are we doing? We're refereeing, aren't we? You need to be quiet back there. Shut up. We're almost to the school. Okay, you got your bag, you got your lunch, you got your homework, you got, you know, we're going through all this list that's in our head, and we forget to prepare them for their purpose as they walk into the school. We forget to talk about God. We forget to pray with them. 
We forget to sing. And I love it now when I get to pick my grandkids up because I make sure I do that. You know, I'm, I know those days are short. I know we don't have a lot of time. And so I make sure when I've got them, I'm talking to them before they get there about their purpose. What are you going to do when you get to school today? Who are you going to reach out to? Who are you going to talk to about Jesus? How are you going to show Jesus? I think the significance of that for me growing up was, so when you're little and your children are little, you kind of feel like, okay, like I'm, like I'm saying it, but how much of that is sinking, you know, soaking in? Like, what are they really, are they like, okay, mom, we know God's good. Great. You know, whatever, you know, I want to go play this game or do this or that. But I think the significance comes in as I got into high school, especially, um, and if you're a woman, and probably guys too, but girls especially, you know, in high school is that time where you go through that feeling pretty hardcore of, am I significant? You know, um, you struggle a lot with insecurity. You realize maybe you're not as pretty as the other girls, or you don't have the talents, or you don't have this, or you don't have that. And I remember in high school, just going through a lot and feeling a lot of times like I was not worth a lot. You know, there wasn't a lot that I had to offer to the world. And sometimes when I looked at God, I thought, you may be, but like, for what? Like, I'm not that great, you know. And it was only in those times, I think, when I was about to be on the line of being completely hard-hearted that there was a little softness within me um, because I would remember, like, my mom and dad's, like, voice echoing, you know, like, telling me, no, you're, like, you know, God did this, and he created the stars, and he created the universe, and he made, he took the time to make you. He formed you. And, and when I talk to my kids now, you know, a lot of times I throw out, the concepts, the concept of um, Psalms, where he, you know, he says, "I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I'll praise you because you're fearfully and wonderfully made." He says, "I know every hair that's on your head," um, because I think one day when your kid is struggling, if, if you have little ones now and they're wondering what's going to make it, you know, what's why are they special? You know, what did God do for them? They're going to look back and they're going to say, "There's got to be something to this. My parents really meant it," and that's what it was for me. I was able to sit there. You know, when I could have went a million different directions to find value at that time, um, I was able to at least sit back and say, no, I think I think there is something special about me. And maybe I don't get it all right now, but I do love my mom and dad, and I do believe there's something to God, you know, within this. So there is significance in that, um, and it's really important. So um, after um, we show them that, you know, why they matter to God um, and why they, why they were made for a purpose, then... We, we show them the next part, especially like, you know, moving on to the next stage of their life, I feel like, is showing them that they really matter to that purpose, that they are very significant to God's purpose, to God's kingdom. I did not grow up. Um, I am not a... I'm not a generational. I'm I'm from the world. I have the, um, the background and the perspective of um, what the world portrays. Um, and so... I feel like getting married um, and having children, um, one of the biggest things, you know, that my husband impressed upon me is, like, how we really wanted to raise children that were kind of the opposite of what, like I said, Ashley talked about before. You know, he's like, I see all these kids that I grew up with, and I see where they're at now, and I see the potential they had, but none of them really grasped that. And so I think it's very, very important that... um, that I can do everything I can to impress upon my children their purpose. I know um, every single day on the way to school, um, driving and praying with them. And one thing that we would pray, and I didn't want it to become like so like redundant and it was just automatic that it didn't have significance. So I try to say it in different ways. But like even when they were like in kindergarten or middle school or whatever, you know, every day on the way to school, like, you know, dear God, please, um, I'll use Lincoln for example, like, cause I take him almost every day. Like, dear God, please let Lincoln know that you put him at Rock Creek Elementary very specifically because you want him there because of this and this. And, um, one thing is, um, Lincoln invited this kid to come to church one Sunday and he's in kindergarten and it happened to be the marriage retreat weekend. So we were all out of town and there was like nobody there. So he did come <laughs> and, um, we didn't, we didn't get to meet any of them. So he was like, oh, you know, it wasn't very much fun because there was nobody there and whatever. So I was like, Lincoln, you just need to make sure that you pray about that. And literally, um, I think it was a marriage retreat, September, October-ish. Every, and I'm not kidding when I say this, and you can ask Carrie and Kim. Every single time we pray, every single day on the way to school, every time we pray for a meal, 
every single day, Lincoln prays, dear God, please help Mason. Help him to come back to church. Help him to like him. Like it. Help me to not stop inviting my friends. And, like, sometimes I'll just be driving to school and I'll just start crying. And I'm like, man, you challenged me so much, you know. But it's just so cool to see him, you know, him grasp that purpose. But then even, like, you know, with Kenny being in high school, it's so awesome to get to see, like, the high schooler and the middle schooler, like, involved in their ministry and to see like what they've gotten to see and not just in their family but in in the ministry if you're involved in a ministry like the biggest the greatest thing you can do is get your kids you know to be a part of that and to get to get those um for Kennedy especially like the girls like involved because I see things in her that like man I look and I'm like man I did not I didn't get that like when I went to high school it was about barely surviving it, hoping no one, like, made fun of me. I don't know what it is, but, like, to see, like, the purpose and stuff that she has um, at school and to see, like, with Jackson, like, you know, being at middle school and different things like that, it's so it's so vastly different than what I grew up in, but I'm so incredibly grateful for that. And, um, like, maybe share that a little more. Yeah, I think, like, if I had not grown up, um, in the campus ministry, I would not have the sense of purpose that I do. And I think, like, just seeing, like, from the time I was very small, like, people who really put the right things forward in, like, the campus ministry, like, it was really, like, shape, it really helped shape me as a person. And I think, like, now it's really helped, like, um, whenever I, like, came up into the junior high ministry and now that I'm in the high school ministry, like, just really taking ownership of my own um, ministry and, like, really caring about it and having, like, purpose. And, like, now when, like, I go to school, like, I know, like, my purpose isn't there just to, like, get the good grades or, like, to, like, make the most friends or anything. It's, like, well, I am making friends because I have to reach out to people. But, like, um, just reaching, like, the people that are hurt and people that don't have what I have so that way I can, like, bring them in. And, um, like, um... Right now, I'm in a weird situation with my track coach, and the only reason why I'm staying there is because I have friends I want to reach out to. <laughs> Otherwise, I would not still be doing it. But um, just getting the opportunity to, like, do that and, like, have my friends come around and, like, have something different, it's, like, it means a lot because it's all, like, due to the campus ministry. Like, without it, like, it would not, I would not be, like, the same way I am. And, like, just examples I've seen just help shape me as a person. So not only do we show them that they were made for a purpose, number three is we show them the price. And we all know that everything that God calls us to costs. And all I have to do is refer back to Romans 6 to understand that, right? Uh, that there is a cost to everything we do, you know? God calls us to that cost. And uh, as we were planting churches, um, the first church that we had started... Uh, happened to be in a town in Illinois, and it was called Alton, Illinois. Uh, and one of the things that I had to learn was that for me, the price that I had to pay was to get out of my own comfort. Okay, I'm from a small town, uh, probably 5,000, maybe. Uh, when we moved to Alton, I thought I was in the city. I thought, oh my goodness, I was terrified. This is city life, you know. I didn't want to drive there. I was terrified, you know. And then there comes out the, you know, the survey or the study or whatever in the Huffington Post report that said Alton ranked in the top 16 of the most violent crime rate of cities. And I was like, what? You know, not Alton. It, it terrified me. And during that time, um, my kids were getting ready to start high school, you know, where they'd been through the junior high and that was okay, you know, pretty calm. They were broken up. Well, then Alton High comes up. Huge school. It looked like, to me, a junior college campus, you know. I drive up to the pit, and I'm like, oh, I can't let my kids in the parking lot. It was called the pit. And I was like, I came up there, and I was like looking around, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm so scared. And I look around, and, and then I remember in the back of my head, my mother-in-law, and she was trying to do something good. She kept saying, you know, you, you don't need to send your kids to that school. You don't need to send them to Alton High. That's really a dangerous place. I wouldn't be sending them there. I'll pay full tuition if you send them to the Christian Academy. Now, as a mother, I was already scared, okay? And in the back of my mind, I was going, who they would be safer there? You know, this is really scary. I just, I remember thinking that for a minute or maybe more. 
maybe an hour. And and then I had to remember my there's a bigger purpose than this. There is something there's a bigger lesson here. And it really had to do with a test of my faith. Am I going to trust God that he tells me, yeah, you may have to pay a cost, but I'm the one that's here to protect your kids. There's a bigger purpose for them than keeping them under your wing, than letting them out into the world. And I think for me, and and Ashley can talk more about that, um, it was hard. I'm not going to lie, because I would like to have protected them. But I also knew if I protected them, I wasn't teaching them what their purpose was. I think, like, there's a misconception that I've seen growing up in the Church of Christ, and and that I just think we got it wrong in some ways, to be frank. Um, We can't abandon the world for the sake of our safety. Um, You know, when I look around, and don't get me wrong, I think there's great things that Christian colleges offer. I, you know, I, I, there's good, there's good in that. Um, but I think it's very contradictory to Matthew 28. Whenever what we're concerned with all the time is, I'm going to keep my kids close. I'm going to keep them for what her would have been comfortable homeschooling us. Um, I'm going to keep them, make sure then after that I can pass them on to another safety net of Christian colleges where they're surrounded by safe environments and safe things. And it's all about keeping our children safe. And yet when I look at the way Jesus Christ formed his ministry, and when I look at the first century church throughout the books of, book of Acts, I don't see safety. I don't see that being a number one concern. I see preparation. I see that Jesus took people alongside him and he said, look, in fact, he was very clear. The world is going to be hard on you. It's going to persecute you. It's going to come after you with all that it's got. So therefore, you need to relearn how to stand firm. You need to learn to persevere. You need to learn to have your, your faith grounded. And I think within the Church of Christ and the Christian churches, you guys, is we've gotten it wrong whenever we have this conception of all we're meant to do is keep our kids safe. And then at some point, inevitably, they're not under our roof anymore and they're sent out to the wolves and they don't have a clue what to do. And I think that's where our 80% statistics come into play. Because once they're out in the world, they're going, wait a second, I wasn't trained for this. Wait a second, I don't, this is really uncomfortable. And so not only are they shaken by it, and so when something comes at them, they're stepping back going, ah, uh, I don't know what to do. So it must not be that bad, I'll do this. And then they make little compromise after little compromise, and we lose our children over it. And then in the, in the long run, we are not in places where they're capable of reaching the lost. In Matthew 28, the last words that Jesus said was what? We know it. Go and make disciples. Go everywhere. Go go out. But we want to stay in. And I think that's, you know, when Jesus, when someone speaks their last words, that's important. And that's the last thing he gave us. And it is one of the most neglected things I see within our youth and with our kids. And I see that also, I mean, I do teen ministry. I've been doing it for 13 years. So I see it within our children, and I also see it coming up through the high school years. And I think we have to be very, very careful of what we are teaching our children that it means to be a disciple. And it's going to cost them their comfort, and it's going to cost that. It's going to cost our comfort. Because I can't tell you how many times mom had to come pick us up for gun threats and bomb threats and whatever. It was craziness. There was always weave and everything flying through the parking lot because of fights. And, and, yet, and yet, in the midst of the crazy turmoil of that life, I would have never sat next to Mashai and played basketball with her. My friend who said for the first time in her life, she felt hugged and safe and was told that she loved, was loved when she walked into my home. She never would have had a concept of God's love. I never would have got to watch my friend Anna, who was sexually abused, and she wouldn't mind telling you guys, be baptized and find out that not all guys are there to use her. Like, so is there fear in that? Absolutely. But the the cost, man, it's worth it whenever you get to see things like that. Had we not been thrown into those situations, I don't know what kind of chance they ever would have had. Um, going along with that, um, it's going to cost that your your comfort, um, but it's also it's also going to cost some other things. And Hannah's going to kind of hit on that. Well, 
Well, we uh, put our house up on the market this week, and uh, <laughs> when the realtor came in, he's like, you have a hole there, and you have um, your your cabinets don't line up, and you're blah, 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 and you're like, yeah, we know, like, we did the best we could, like, but, um, I mean, it was funny, because Carrie's like, well, I mean, yeah, when you have 50 college kids here every Tuesday, and then you have 10 teenagers every Saturday night, and you have, you know, blah, 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 he's like, yeah, you're, you know, your house goes through a lot of wear and tear, and he was like, 50 college, and he was like, no, for real, like, 50 college kids every Tuesday, you know, like, and um, I look at it, and financially, that's a, that's a price that, you know, if I'm going to be a, if I'm going to truly do things the way Jesus did it, I cannot store up, honestly, treasures here. Like, and that's another thing. I come from, I come from money. I, my, my mother just herself lives in a five bedroom, like $300,000 house, like pristine condition, you know, whatever. So like I came from that, but one thing I had to get over really quick was that savings account was just not going to ever be in the cards for us. Like, there was no way we were going to be able to really, truly do ministry. We were never really going to be able to raise, you know, raise, you know, godly children. And I'm not saying some people can't. We, we, it just wasn't the cards for us. Um, but it is, it is one of those things where, you know, I look at it sometimes and I'll look at my house and be like, oh, it's just, I feel like I just cleaned it from top to bottom yesterday. And now it's, you know, it's dirty again, or there is a hole there, or there's this or that. But I can tell you this, every single family that I truly admire who has raised really good, godly, sold-out, passionate kids that also reaches a lot of lost people, they're, they're always have people living with them, staying at their house. They're always constantly taking people in. They're always serving. They're always giving of their time and money, their resources. And that was one of the things that I really wanted, that we really did decide we really wanted to impress on our children, was, you know, um, it's going to be a financial a financial toll. You know, there's going to be times when you're, we're, you know, maybe going to have this or that, or we're not always going to have the nicest stuff. Or if it's in between, you know, doing this or letting somebody, I know, I think TC talked in his lesson about how he just moved in on our couch where you guys are there. He just, we just, one day, he just came in and we're like, okay, it's more than a sleepover. I think one boy moved in. Um, but that's not uncommon, you know? It's not uncommon to have, you know, people like sleeping here or there and, you know, and to wake up and you're like, it literally looks like the movie frat parties the next day sometimes. Um, with the red solo cups everywhere and trash. And, but it's like little Debbie cakes, not like party stuff. Because <laughs> um, I used to joke that quick trip cups could like reproduce in my house because we would just find them. Like, you know, like there wasn't even that many people here. But um, I think something that has been really cool has been like, um, you know, seeing Kennedy get into high school and her constantly having, like, she knows, she knows where, you know, she doesn't even really have to ask other than just politely being like, hey, I'm going to have a bunch of people come and stay over. Or, you know, Sunday morning, I have a bunch of guests who want to come to church, so can they all just come and stay on Saturday? And it's kind of just become a thing. Saturday night, they're either at my house or at Ashley's house or at Jenna's, or Jenna's girls come over to my house because all the guys are staying over there, you know. But, you know, it's going to be that way. We're going we're gonna to have to sacrifice the sleep. My kids never go to bed at 8 o'clock. Never. Unless they're deathly ill, you know. Um, but it's, but something, like I said, was like, you know, seeing her be like, hey, so-and-so, the girl I'm reaching out to, I want her to come with us here. She doesn't have any money for food, but don't worry, I got her. I have babysitting money. And, like, you know, not even thinking twice about spending that. Because that's what she's seen. That's what she's seen in her aunts. That's what she's seen in, like, you know, the not in the campus ministry. Growing up, she's seen, like, college kids. Like, oh, somebody wants to come and retreat them on money. No problem. We'll all pitch together and do it, you know. All of my children are always like, someone wants to come to camp, but I'm going to help pay for them to come, you know, or, or whatever. And it's just always been one of those things that it really was never, I don't even think specifically taught. I don't know. Do you feel like it was specifically taught with you or just something um, that you just kind of picked no, up? People, were just, people were just always there. Yeah, people were just going to eat our food. Our food it's never going to be a whatever. normal four of us. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be one of those things that I just, I want my children. I want my ministry. I want the people that come into our home to know that, you know, before the things and before the money, like they're, they're more important. And if it's going to be between, you know, her saving up a bunch of money for a car or her spending her money now to reach those kids, then I'm going to do what I can to take care of her. But, you know, that's that's more of the kind of thing that I want to pass on to my kiddos. Do I have-
Well, just to add to that, you know, um, when we were younger, Robert and I, we started planting churches. It didn't seem like it was going to be that difficult because we didn't have any money anyway, so what did we have to lose? There wasn't anything in the bank account and the savings, so hey, you know, okay, let's start a church. You know, we, did, we didn't know, you know, how are you going to get paid? I don't know. We need to go back to school. Okay, I'll go back to school. You know, I'll get a degree and then I'll work while we start the church. You know, and then I remember when we planted the next church, um, I was older. Robert is older. And I remember the first Sunday going in to sit down and going from a church of 650 to 35 of, 35 of us planting a church. Going in the first Sunday, we had like 100 people. I remember sitting on the front row. I remember this. I would love to say I was full of faith and it was all going to be great. But I remember sitting there and going, what the heck were you thinking? Are you crazy? You know, starting all over at your age, these thoughts go through your mind, you know. But I, then I had to also remind myself, there is a cost and it is worth it. When I look out and I see the lives of people changed, when I see their their history changed, when I see cycles broken, it was worth every cent of it, and it was worth me risking again. Yeah, I think with that too, like just coming from that, I don't look back and think, oh man, I wish we could have afforded to get me the Happy Meals, because we couldn't. We had to go on 25-cent hamburger night on McDonald's. No cheese. With no cheese, because we didn't have the money. But like, I remember that, but that was not, that's not a defining part of my, my, my past. What I remember is filling our house with people who needed God's love, who became my family. Um, I remember my parents sacrificing everything. My dad had a terrible pair of tennis shoes that he wore for years and I didn't ever really he kept telling me that they were fine and he really liked them but I can't find out later like he didn't have the money he got me tennis shoes you know um there were sacrifices all the time um but I wasn't defined by the fact that I didn't have everything my little heart desired or didn't get to bed that night right on time you know or whatever I just remember the house being full of filled of laughter and love and 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 people coming going to midnight baptisms if we needed to you know and getting up the next morning and doing it again um, so, but with that, um, it's going to cost your comfort, it's going to cost your time, your money, your energy, and it's also going to cost your heart. And this is something that as you raise your children within a, within a ministry, um, the way that God intended, this is going to be a big one. And this is something Kennedy and I, we can heavily relate to because now she's getting to see what her aunt went through. So she's going to talk a little bit about what that means for her. So I know for me, like, uh, talked about like all the great things about the campus ministry <laughs> and, um, there's also, like, a really long list of people that have uh, just left, and, yeah. She doesn't like to cry. <laughs> Sorry. And just, like, um, people that I, uh, like, from whenever I was little, like, just let people into my life, and then, like, um, those people... Like, I see, like, their lives um, drastically change from what they were in the past. And then sometimes those, um, it's just hard whenever those people um, throw that away. And, sorry. So that's definitely something that has been hard. But, like, sometimes when I, like, get to thinking about it, then I'm like, well, there's a really long list of people that are still around. Like, um, that guy, I'm really thankful for you. <laughs> and Melissa, and there's other people with Maddie, and... Because, <laughs> like, um... <laughs> um, just, it's really good to know that, like, not everyone's gonna leave, and that you'll still get to have those good examples and those people that are going to be there for you. And it's just really good to know. Um, yeah, it costs your heart, as you can see. I think, um, I, did, I mean, but didn't Jesus put that on display? You know, one of the, the 12 that he brought underneath him. And sometimes when you think of Judas, you're like, ah, betrayer. Like, you know, like, and that's kind of it. Like, cut and dry, that's who he was, you know the story. <laughs> But when I look at it, like, I look at it as, man, how much, how much of Jesus and the other apostles felt whenever they had all poured their hearts into each other and into that ministry? And then this guy, who was supposed to be their brother, you know, the one that they've loved, the one that they've trained alongside of, ditches it. Not only ditches it, but completely stabs him in the back and betrays him. That would have been about the time for me that I would have been like, eh, this is a little too hard. 
It's not going to work out. It's it's difficult, you know, because you get hurt within ministry. And I think of um, what my kids at their age have even gone through. You know, we ha- we do youth ministry, and we have had kids live with us, and um, um, they call them their big brothers. You know, their sisters, and they're there all the time, all the time. And uh, we did a family devotional a few weeks ago. Or it was a little. I can't keep track of time. It was a little bit ago, and um, we were reading about the the prodigal son. And my youngest was like, I said, so, you know, we're just kind of talking about what that looks like. And my youngest just wells up with tears. And he was, you know, he's seven almost. And I was like, what are you thinking? And he was like, like, like this person. And he names this guy that was like his big brother. He adored, you know, and he just starts crying. And I see the heartache. And as a mom, again, that, that part of me, I remember what that felt like as a little girl. To feel so like loved and 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 for people just to throw it away because of what the world offered, and it hardened my heart in a lot of ways. Um, I didn't deal with it right, and I just wanted to protect my heart, you know. Um, and sometimes with my kids, even like I want to protect them. Okay, maybe we shouldn't let them get that close, you know. And I look at that, and then I look at like what Kennedy said. And I just, that's a phrase I've always said to her and, you know, to my kids because um, it's something I have to put in my head still to this day. Yeah, I can always look at people that have left. There's always going to be a Judas. You know, there's always going to be someone like that. Man, there's always going to be people that stay, you know. And those thank, thank God for that part of the ministry. Um, those people that fill those voids and those aches, you know. For me, it was Colleen back there, Janice, who's teaching another lesson. Um, and Tom, there's a long list of people who have healed my heart and taken care of me when everything in the ministry seems like it, it took too much and that I couldn't keep going on. But at the cost of your heart, so what's the, what's the alternative? We teach our kids not to give their heart? <laughs> what do you do? You know, we can't do that either. If we don't give our heart to something, you know this in your marriages, in your relationships, if you don't give your heart to something, it's not going to work out. If you don't give your heart and teach your kids to give their heart to the, to the ministry, to lost people, to saving people's lives, it's not going to work out. And we're going to, again, we're going to lose our kids and we're never going to have the effect on the world like we ever wanted to. Um, so I think with that cost, teaching them and reminding them of God's faithfulness regardless all the time. He's constantly faithful and he's going to take care of you. It doesn't mean you're not, you weren't good enough. It doesn't mean that you weren't lovable enough. It just means that they have beef with God, and they got to work it out. But you always be that light, no matter what. And you always continue to give yourself. <clears throat> um, the fourth and fourth and final um, thing we got for you here is, I'm going to have to show them the standard of success. Um, I was reading my quiet time the other day, and this actually was kind of perfect. I read this uh, little blog, and it said this. Many people, yes, even Christians, are divided in their opinions about things. But do you know what truth is? It's not our opinion. It's not their opinion. Truth is God's opinion about everything. Everything. God's opinion stands firm and is unchangeable. Every perfect word breathed from his mouth and inscribed on the pages of Holy Scripture is truth. And no self-rationalizing or self-gratifying by any of us will ever change that. Um... Do you know, like, the world is going to throw and is constantly throwing at your children, at us, you guys know that, but at our children, compromises. It's screaming a million different versions of what success looks like to them. It screams it in, in the version of, of dating, having the right, like, looking guy and relationship and this and that. You know, in, in their physical appearance, what's going to make them worthy? Too, too thin, too heavy, not enough, you know, good eyebrows is the new thing. Whatever. <laughs> you know, there's a million different things there. Um, it's going to sell them that they need to get their self-worth and set their standards of success by what school they went to, what degree they got, what career they got, right? Um, but when I look at that, the standard that we need to be setting for our kids first and foremost, isn't it the, oh, sure, there's some good things in, within the, that, you know, that list. But the standard that we need to set for our kids is the one based on God's word and his truth. The last things that this generation and the generations before us and the generations to come need is for parents and adults and older generations of the faith to water down God's message. To sit back and say, oh, well, 
you know, God, it's okay, you know, like, you could probably date him first and then hope and pray that he becomes a Christian when you marry him. I hear that all the time. I'm sorry, I disagree. Now, I praise God for redemptive stories where that happens, but I don't think that it's something that we need to be celebrating whenever we should be in the beginning teaching our children. No, God is a standard. You set that standard and you live by that truth, period. And then, and then, you know, maybe he will, God will take care of those things. When I was growing up, you know, I was there. I remember wanting to, you know, date and, and have, you know, whatever, relationships and different things and always kind of, well, he goes to the church. Well, what's he believe? Well, he goes to church. Yeah, like, but does he like live like it? I mean, he goes to church. <laughs> like, so he goes to church, you know? And instead of like, I remember my dad being like, no, that's not, that's not what you need to live by. You were made for something bigger than that. And you are not, you do not need to throw yourself away to that just because some guy gave you the right kind of look or the right kind of attention that made you feel good. And when my, when I would be screaming at the top of my lungs for some type of, please bend a little bit for this, it just, it's a little, it's a little compromise, just a little, you know, and my dad, especially my dad, would lock his jaw in and be like, uh, no, no, that's not what God's word said. And I see a lot of parenting today that says, um, it's not that bad. It's not, it's just, it's not that bad. It's okay. You know, go ahead, Whatever. Go to a school and not even check out what churches go or around. Man, go to a college and not even look look in the phone. Well, I guess it's Google. Don't even Google. Don't even Google if there's any good churches around you. That's fine. No big deal because you're getting an education, a good education and a good career. Don't you don't have to think purposefully. Those are just little things. And I think the the standard that the world has set for our children is one thing, and it's enough to. <laughs> to, to deter them from eternity forever, but then to to couple it and make it worse, we have generations that I looked up to my my friends within you know at church camps their families that said eh, it's okay and you know what most of my friends they're not around they're not here and not I don't mean here just at the Tulsa workshop I mean they're gone from a relationship with God because little compromises in in God's truth led led them far far from Him. It's funny because it kind of contradicts. We like Rita was talking about earlier. We want to keep them almost sheltered in a sense that they don't see these things and whatever. But I think one of the greatest things has been able to expose my kids to seeing, especially college kids, getting to see their lives when they when they when they chase after their definition of success and seeing what sin really did to their life and what chasing after this idea of what the world says is successful and seeing where they end up and then seeing what what chasing after a real relationship with God and that purpose and his ministry, how the fulfillment and the, and the different kind of lives they have now, because I don't even feel like it's fun. I don't even feel like we have to have a lot of these conversations. Like it's not an issue. It's not a, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen where it takes you. If you, if you worry about this, this, and this, like, just to kind of whatever brag about it, like, Kitty is like stupid smart. Like, and, and sometimes like she'll do work, and I'm like, okay, cool. Like, and growing up, like from where I came from, like the standard of success. If I did not have the ministry in the church and the family that I have, I would be like Ivy League school pushing hardcore. Like she's only a freshman now, but I would still be like, you know, blah blah blah. She wouldn't be missing Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of school this week because I'd be like, no, you need to be there. Like you can't miss those classes, which she is, and she's still going to get the good grades, so it doesn't matter. But you know, I just look at it and I want to redefine what success is because I know that's what I grew up in. Is like you got to go to this school, you got to get these kind of grades, and you got to do this, this, and this. And I just very grateful for her being able to grow up in an environment where she sees like, well, yeah, if you chase after this, this, and this, what this says is success, then this is where it ends up and you're still not happy and you still don't have those things. And, you know, I see her and she's like, well, I could try to do like this hardcore crossfitting thing and whatever, but all those girls I know, they all had to drop out of school. So if I dropped out of school, then I wouldn't be at school to have a purpose and to reach out to people and stuff. I'd just be chasing after my own goals and my own dreams. And it's been very, very satisfying, and it's been really awesome to know that, like, even as a mother, like, I'm not doing this alone. Like, a lot of you guys in this room have helped shape my kids, their belief system, and their purpose, and their definition of success. Like, I don't care if she graduates first in her class, if she hasn't reached people in her school and she hasn't made her mark and I think she would honestly say the same thing like 
as far as like what she defines like success in in even like a high school ministry? <laughs> well, just kind of add to that. You know, Ashley when she came out of high school, um, she was offered a singing contract, um, and she had a financial backer who was uh, you guys may have heard of him before, Marshall Falk. And uh, she was approached, and they were like, we're going to send you first off to Europe. Uh, you will go is China, and then you will go to Europe, and then you're going to be opening for Shaka Khan. And I can remember once again as a mother, my heart going, oh, I've seen what Hollywood does. You know, I have seen that. But, but I remember praying about it, going, if that is where God wants her, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know he will use this to bring glory to him. And I had to trust in that. But also at that time, Ashley decided that's not gonna, this isn't going to happen. She goes, Mom, and she set her and uh, Robert, me and Robert down. She set us down. She said, right now I am reaching some of my friends. One of them is almost ready to become a disciple. What is this going to say if I take this singing contract and I move overseas and I don't ever get to be around her? And whenever I'm across seas, and what happens to her? What happens to our plan of planting churches? If I don't buy into this, why would anybody else buy into this? And it takes me back just to end this is in uh, Deuteronomy 11.20. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth. And with that, you know, the, mo- the biggest blessing to me is that I get to see my children and my grandchildren be successful. But their success isn't in what the world would view as success. Their success is in ministry. It's what is lasting. It's not on the here. It's not on the now. It's not the now. It's on the eternal. And to me, that is the biggest blessing I could ever dream of. Okay, well, if you guys pray with us, Uh, Father God, I just want to thank you um, for this opportunity today and um, for using us to somehow hopefully help um, your kingdom, God. Now we are all like a little, little nervous. How are we going to pull this off before people, God? But your, your plans and your purposes always come through for, for us as well, God. Um, I just pray for our children and for everyone's children in here and for the generations to come, God, that they know you and that they know you in mighty, powerful ways, God, and that we begin to turn this world upside down, God, and that, and that the generations to come, um, speak a much different story than what we've seen in the recent years. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.